your 250 hitter, your 250 base hits out of a thousand hits. It's not that much worse than a 300 hitter. Uh, but that person's like, well, you might get uh, delisted or, uh, you know, down, dumped down to the minors or not get the contract renewed or get dumped by the team. Or now I'm trading ammo or like it's you're not doing good if you're a 250 hitter. The difference between a 250 hitter and a 300 hitter is one extra base hit per week per regular season game. You're striking one more time per week per regular season game than your 250 hitter. That's not that much. We break that down for our sales team and we go, all right, you write one extra family per week and you stretch that over three or five or 10 years, your difference in income or reach is just astronomical. You're listening to the FYI podcast where we talk about all things young adulting, your faith, your life, your mental health, your finances, your relationships, so much more. And I'm Josiah Keneally. And I'm Micah Keneally. We are the hosts of the FYI podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Venture. Venture is a church planting and community development nonprofit that really works with the toughest places of the world, serving war refugees, trafficked people, Mm -hmm. oppressed children, and the unreached. And through Venture Miles, you can make your miles matter by going on adventure hikes. You can go biking, running, raising funds, and also bringing forth awareness in the process. Look, Venture is something that we are both incredibly passionate about. We give to and support. And Mm -hmm. man, we're both Venture alumni of different programs and runs. And we'd encourage you to check out more at www.youngadults.today slash partners. Imagine if you could go and talk to some of the greatest leaders all around the world and ask them one simple question. What is your daily prayer life like? Well, myself and Cam Doolittle and Peter Greer were able to do this with amazing leaders like Francis Chan and John Mark Comer, John Ortberg, Johnny Erickson Tata. And then we expanded our search to global church leaders in six different continents whose ministry and leadership covers over a hundred different countries. And what we discovered was absolutely incredible. People around the world were being led by the Holy Spirit to have similar prayer lives, from a New York financier to someone working in a refugee camp in a war zone. Their prayer lives started looking similar and their patterns were emerging. And we took all those patterns and put them together in a book called Lead with Prayer, a study in the prayer lives of extraordinary leaders around the world. There's a study that said that a super majority of leaders are not satisfied with their prayer lives and the prayer culture where they lead. And this book, we're praying, can launch a movement of prayer amongst leaders. And this is a chance for all of us to sit at the feet of praying leaders around the world and learn how to pray as leaders. Imagine what would happen if God's leaders around the world started truly becoming people of prayer. It could change everything. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the FYI podcast. We talk about faith, life, adulting, finances, theology, and so much more. I am one of your hosts, Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally, and we are in a brand new 2024 startups series. So happy new year. Happy new year. Yes, and for sure. And I think that we talked to so many young adults, college students, mm-hmm. and the research would indicate that 50% of Gen Z wants to be an entrepreneur, uh, wants to maybe start something, whether it's a side hustle, a business, a 501c3, a nonprofit. And so this series mm-hmm. is really going to be talking to some founders, some leaders, some entrepreneurs, and diving deep, answering the questions that you are mm-hmm. asking. Look, thank you for sharing this episode with other friends and uh, for leaving us a subscription and a like wherever you see this episode. Our guest today is Tyler Flatmo. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. I appreciate the ask. We are pumped to have you. Mm-hmm. And Tyler is an independent insurance broker. We'll talk more about that. He is the owner and founder of the Tyler Flatmo Agency. And right out of the gate, we want to kick it to you. Share some of your story with us. Yeah, I've got a story that uh, kind of zigzags all over the place, but I'm excited to share it today. So I grew up in a Christian home, um, grew up with, uh, you know, parents that loved me. And I kind of have the classic super churched story of um, I've kind of always loved Jesus, have kind of always 
you know, serve the Lord and don't have this big, you know, crazy uh, testimony like some people have. Um, but through that, um, uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I have always loved music. Um, and uh, I thought I wanted to be a worship pastor. I was like, man, I just, I love serving in church. I love worshiping the Lord and leading others in worship. Um, and so I went to school, uh, got my four-year degree from uh, Northwestern. It's a private Christian school up on the north side of the Twin Cities here. Uh, and um, right before I finished school, I got a job full-time at a church being a worship leader. And I was like, man, I've made it. I've done it. It's done. I've beaten it, right? Uh, and I got into that first position. Um, and I was like, whoa. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Maybe this isn't what I thought I wanted. Uh, and so it was this very disorienting season uh, for me where I didn't know uh, kind of like, okay, God, I, I thought that this is what you wanted from me, right? Zooming back to a year before that, I started getting really, really interested in finance and in entrepreneurship. Um, somebody gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life uh, in every way. Um, it's an incredible book. If you haven't read it, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, you're thinking about, Hey, I think I might want to do that. Uh, pick it up, read it, uh, and let it change your life. Um, and so I kind of had started ideating on like, Hey man, I think I, I think I want to do something. I didn't know. I didn't have any idea what I just, I knew that I didn't want to be stuck in a nine to five, or as Rich Dad Porter calls it, a rat race, right? Um, and so uh, going from there, um, I worked at the church for about a year and a half, um, transitioned out from there. Uh, my wife was pregnant. We were trying to buy a house. Um, she knew she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom with our first, uh, she was pregnant with our first kid. Um, and then uh, I quit my job at the church with nothing else lined up, which isn't a great idea if you're trying to buy a home. <laughs> Uh, it's a big old F minus if you're trying to qualify for a loan. Um, luckily, my wife had a job at a bank, and so we were still able to qualify for our home and purchased our first home. Um, and I was sitting there at the church in the sound booth. Uh, I, I turned in my two weeks. I, I was going to quit. I had no other thing lined up. My wife was due in a month, and I was like, well, I'm going to have a mortgage, a stay-at-home wife, and I'm unemployed. So this is really great. Uh, yay entrepreneurship, right? Uh, and so I, uh, picked up my phone, did a Google search, found an insurance agency right down the road, cold called the guy and said, Hey, my name is Tyler and I'm going to work for you. And he said, great, come into my office and meet with me tomorrow. Um, and, uh, the next day I was sitting in his office three weeks later, I was through insurance school. Um, and that's kind of how I got into the insurance space. I tripped and stumbled into it on accident. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into the business, uh, zooming, uh, forward a little bit. Um, I worked for him for about a year and a half. I was working for a captive insurance company at the time, the insurance industry. Uh, when you start talking about insurance, people's eyes place over quickly, but the insurance industry is split into two halves, right? You've got the captive side, which are all of your, uh, companies you see on TV that are advertising during the football game. And then you have the independent side. So I was working for a captive company at the time. Um, I had kind of risen through the ranks of that company. I was their wonder child per se, and they were going to give me a great big agency and it was going to be great. And I was like, great. I've again done it. I've made it. This is awesome. Uh, and uh, as what seems to be the trend in life was, um, God had different plans for me and I felt a call that I was supposed to quit uh, 14 days before my interview to take on this big agency. And again, didn't have an idea of what it was supposed to be. Uh, and the Lord just threw doors open and I had the opportunity to um, get in front of the brokerage that I now uh, have my business through. Um, and uh, about a month later, I, again, uh, had started a new business. Um, and so when you start an insurance agency, uh, you it's called starting scratch. And what that means is that you have no clients, no revenue, no salary, no income. You got nothing. You have absolutely 
nothing. Oh, the sky's right? the limit, Tyler. The sky's the, the limit. The sky's the limit. Right. So it's, I, I, uh, at this point, my wife was pregnant with our second child. We were due in a couple months at this point with our second son. And um, I went to Goodwill. I bought a laptop for a hundred bucks. Um, and I called up my parents and I said, hey, I don't think it's going to be real conducive for me to try and do this thing from home. Can I come work out of my bedroom that I grew up in? My parents lived, you know, 15 minutes down the road from me. And they're like, sure, let's get off our nose. Um, and so uh, I started and I started pounding it and I started uh, beating the phones and calling people and saying, hey, I'm got a great product. I've got a great process. Uh, let me let me show you what I can do. Um, and the business started to roll. Um, six months later, I convinced my now business partner to leave his cushy corporate job and come send it on starting an insurance agency with me. And I'm very grateful every day for him and what he's done for our organization. And then kind of fast forwarding through a whole bunch uh, to where we are now. Um, we're a team of 10 people now. We've got thousands and thousands of families insured and we turned four and a half years old. We turned four and a half years old this month, this upcoming month. So that's kind of the the backstory on how I stumbled to, to where I am now. Tyler, it's epic. And to the listener, I would just say throughout this series, pay attention to the guests. And when they share a book that they recommend that impacted mm -hmm. them, watch for themes. Um, it's that adage that leaders are readers and there's going to be books recommended throughout the series that you might want to pick up and whether it's on Kindle or the library or however you want to get them. Mm -hmm. But I think that reading is one of those practices. It's sharpening the saw, it's growing, it's developing. And the other trend I see Tyler right out the gate with you is necessity is a great source mm -hmm. for innovation. Not only your family, you're like, okay, I need a job. I need income. got to go kill and eat something. Yeah. We got to go hunt. <laughs> yeah. And find something, yes. that I, I think that also when you can find problems to solve, customers to serve, pain points mm -hmm. to address, mm -hmm. you know, needs to meet, I, I think you'll always have people to serve, people to work with. And yeah. um, I, I love that story too, about the, the humble beginnings of mm -hmm. the used laptop and a phone, like yeah. Yeah. getting scrappy, yeah. getting gritty. Yeah. And I just, yes. I even think about Tyler, just even for the listener, take into consideration as we unpack these next four weeks with our guest is take into consideration the advice that they have. He said, don't, don't quit without something lined up, right? <laughs> be mindful, but also be in tune with God. Like if God said he's going to do something, trust that he's going to do it. But then also yeah. we have to do our job as, as people and humans for the sake of our family. And maybe you're single yes. or you're dating and engaged, just keeping that in mind. And it seems like the first two kids, every kid you had at the beginning, you had a, you had a new job that kind of went with it. And the joke in yeah. our house, every time we had a kid, we only have two kids. We always seem to like get a new couch. I have no idea. Yeah. Why. It just seemed to be furniture. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I think that all the, all the couches are here, are here. So maybe all the kids are here too, but <laughs> right. you know, for the, for the it's listener who does have an entrepreneurial spirit and does have maybe the gift of faith, or maybe they don't have the gift of faith, but they do believe in God. Talk about the step of faith that it was launching the business. And what did that look like for you and a family unit, like processing with your wife, counting the cost, putting food on the table, like even just talk about that faith factor, if you could. Yeah, I think zooming forward here, um, people really latch on to where people are at in a current stage of life. I've felt it now. Um, my wife and I had the opportunity to move to a hobby farm um, this past year. And uh, we're doing things in life now that it's easy for people to kind of look at and be like, oh, look at look at what they've got going on. And like, it's that whole kind of like fantasized reality of people look at the people that have been quote unquote successful in life and immediately say, I want to skip all of the grind, skip all of the hard things. And I'm just going to get that right. Uh, the step of faith that it took was a lot of hard, hard things. Um, when we started that, that, first six months in business, I worked my brains out. I mean, I grinded. It was hours and hours and hours every day because I had to. There is, you said it yourself, that 
that necessity is a fantastic motivator. Um, and it absolutely is. Um, the uh, first year in business, um, I brought my business partner on and we hired our first employee. And then at the end of that, uh, that first year, we hired our second employee. Seven out of those 12 months, my family had no income from the business. That's hard. Like, that's really hard. Um, I taught music lessons on the side. I had a side hustle as I was starting my business uh, to just cash money to go buy groceries, right? Um, I had a worship leading gig on the side as well. That also kind of helped keep us afloat. And we had also purchased uh, our home a few years back and we were renting out our basement. So our mortgage was largely subsidized. And so we had been strategic about how we had positioned our family to be able to take calculated risks. People look and they're like, seven months of no income, how did you survive? Survived because one, the Lord's faithfulness and providence, but two, some of those faithful big picture steps that we had taken as a family to position ourselves to be able to take that step of faith where God was like, hey, go. And we said, okay, we've been faithful with the story up until now, how we've positioned ourselves and the choices that we've made so that we have the ability to, uh, you know, get paid really mediocrely for a while. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of kind of some of the steps of faith that we took in, in launching the business. I think it's so practical. And that's our hope for the listener is to, to get as practical as we can. But I, I hear you talking about 600 bucks here, 600 bucks there. Oh, and yeah. it, it's like, I think that's a theme that I see with a lot of people with startups. It is rent out a room. It is, mm -hmm. you know, try not to have to pay rent for an office space. Yeah. Get really creative, yes. save money where you can, um, spend money where you have to. And then I mean, get mm -hmm. even one granular level. When you filed, did you do legal Zoom or how did you file? What did you file as? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm an S-Corp. My business is an S-Corp and we are, uh, there's a number of technical reasons why we are an S-Corp. But as far as filing, people get it all convoluted in their brain. Uh, you can do it with the Secretary of State for $155 and it doesn't take, it, it's pretty hard to screw up if you do a little bit of Google searching. Um, and it doesn't have to be this like big expensive process. You can open a business for less than $200 with 30 minutes of effort. It's, it's not hard. It's powerful. Yeah. I know for, yeah. for us, we, when we launched young adults today, it was a 501 C three and probably we could have done that through the website, but we just wanted to make sure we filed right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tax exempt status was a bigger deal. And so we just yeah. we used legal zoom and I bet it was oh, less yeah. than a thousand dollars total mm -hmm. to file with the yep. state to, to file for the tax exempt status federally and they were backed mm -hmm. up like this was still kind of in that pandemic COVID chaos repercussions. Yeah, yeah yeah and and so they're like yeah. here back in three to six months maybe we heard back in two, yep. i think it was two weeks two weeks yeah so Remember. we were really grateful but i think those are some of the fun things to talk about and hey insurance for a second is your wheelhouse. And the way I yes. view it, it's like the God forbid conversations. Mm. It's oh, yeah. like, you know, nobody's planning to, to look at like, um, you know, insurance and, and, but at the same time, these are some of the things that you need, mm -hmm. whether oh, it's yeah. a business, whether it's as a family, but talk about like your view on insurance for a second and why yeah. that's a need for the clients that you serve. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So insurance, we tell people all the time, it is not something for the inconvenient, it's for the catastrophic. People view insurance sometimes as a fix-it policy or like, a, I'm just going to claim every little thing that I can. And the thing that people don't realize is that you pay insurance forever. You will always have it. It's legally mandated. You have to carry it. Um, if you have a car, the government requires that you carry insurance. If you own a home, the mortgage company requires that you carry insurance. Um, and so, yeah, we we tell people all the time, hey, man, it's not for the inconvenience, it's for the catastrophic. And that's the approach that we take when we work with our clients is big picture catastrophic risk planning. Um, and so, yeah. So good. And, and even like, 
a little bit broader too, because I think that there's some things that you could do a deep dive into insurance and that's yeah. maybe not this conversation, but I think that one thing that we look for is transferable principles. And one yeah. of the things that's so important, Chick-fil-A does this, I mean, best in class, the Ritz-Carlton uses the same, my pleasure. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, but talk about the importance of serving your client, meeting their yeah. needs and doing so with excellence. Yeah. So the, the whole, I am a service-based business, right? We serve people. We've got the, a number of different points in our transaction process. We've got the initial, like, Hey, we are selling you insurance for the first time. So it's kind of like the upfront experience, the shopping process, right? Um, and then you have the ongoing service that, Hey, I bought a new car. Hey, I got in an accident. Hey, I, whatever, need to update my bill. The just kind of ongoing service needs. So Serving people on the front end, um, we've done a nauseating amount of work to map out every single part of our process as an organization to make sure that it's the same across our entire sales team, to make sure that um, it's the best version that it possibly can be. There's an acronym that I love in business that is system, save yourself time, energy, money, right? If you can systematize your process and what you're doing, if it's the same every single time, it then becomes scalable and we can grow that and get that built up. And then our business becomes this process that is plug and play for future hires to come into our ecosystem and be able to continue to win, grow and help us scale. And so when it comes to serving the client, we have a saying in our office that is right coverage, right client. This is a two way street, meaning I want to work with people that want to work with me. You get people in a service-based business that are kind of like, you are a means to an end. You are my obstacle. I need to just control every part of this conversation and relationship. Um, and we do a really uh, thorough job of trying not to work with those type of people um, because that two-way street creates a very healthy, strong dynamic where our clients value us and the position that we have and the value that we can add to them. Uh, and then that comes back as well, where they're going to take the recommendations that we give them, where we're not just looking for the upsell, we're looking to, again, holistically plan and say, great, you are supported, you are set up for success. When that thing happens to you or to the thing that you have, you're good. It's not oh, shoot, I skimped on the coverage and now I'm not in a good position. Um, so it's it's the whole serving your clients' needs and making that, uh, you know, really pounded home. It's something that happens deeply on an internal level in the organization to uh, have that just level of understanding um, that then is delivered to the client in such a way where they are uh, able to experience the Tyler Flamo agency experience, right? So Love that. that's so good. That's so good. Especially when you have the same process in place and save your time, save yourself time, energy, and money. Is that what it was? Sheesh, that was good. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's yeah. That's, that's, I didn't come up with that. Every, all of my little adages and quips are stolen from other people. Hey, Another great book, applicable. great books, uh, steal like an artist is a great one. The, 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 the principle of this book, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything's been done before. So take all the things that you like from other people, take them and make them yours. Yes. Awesome. Little, it's like this thick. It's teeny tiny, but it's a great book. I love it. Okay. Here's another question, Tyler. For the person who does have an idea that maybe has been done before, but maybe is doing exactly what you just said, taking their favorite things and making it their own to whatever capacity, when do you build a team around that idea and how soon is too soon? And what did that process look like for you? Because you gave it six months, then yeah. a year, and your team is now growing. So how, how do you wrap your people around an idea yes. first? Yeah, so it depends on a number of things. The first one is, what's your end goal? Not everybody needs or should have a large team. Um, there's a big difference between uh, being an entrepreneur and being self-employed and being a business owner. That is a clear delineation. Those are not the same thing and they shouldn't be treated as such. Um, and so if you're someone who's like, hey, I want to start a lawn care company, right? I want to mow lawns, do landscaping, do the whole outside maintenance thing. And I kind of want to just 
have my truck and my one guy that helps me and we can serve our clients well and do that thing, that's great. And that person can still build a team with a great accountant, a great bookkeeper, um, you know, your tax person, your legal people. You can start to piece together a team in such a way when you start to feel like, hey, I'm spending too much time doing my non-money-making activities that I could pay someone else to do. And so that same kind of principle exists on the guy that comes in and says, hey, I want to take my uh, lawn care company and I want 100 trucks and 200 employees and I want to grow a enterprise. That same sort of thing is going to exist at the various levels of, of growth uh, in the organization where you go, okay, my time is being spent too much on X, Y, and Z task that is taking me away from the bigger thing as a whole. I find myself in that second camp. I'm trying to grow a organization and enterprise. One of the hard things that's we've been right on the knife's edge for a long time is the idea of me completely exiting sales, saying I will no longer take clients in. Not that the business does, the business does all the time, but that Tyler in the business is no longer doing that. And that's coming at this position of what I feel called to in my organization is visionary. That's my first role. How do I instill a compelling vision around where I want to go, what I feel called to, and how can I rally the troops around that? And so building a team for me, I did it quickly. Um, and I did it uh, at the, it's the idea of, do I want one candy bar today or do I want two tomorrow? I'm all about the delayed gratification of I will defer taking money from the business to continue to grow the business. Now, that is something that you can get yourself in hot water with with your spouse because you come into a position of perpetually saying next year, next year, next year, next year. And eventually you got to say, OK, you do have to live and you do have to enjoy your life and you do have to be able to uh, enjoy the ride and not just have it be oh, great, you have this mega organization that you, just, you kind of see what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tyler, so, thanks for going building, Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Go ahead. Well, I just think in regards to when somebody has a, a deep-seated dream and they want to see it come into existence, whatever that may be, anything under the sun that they love and they're talented and they enjoy it. And I think exactly what you're saying, like you need to identify the end goal. Are you an entrepreneur? Are you self-employed or are you a business? Because the the bigger you grow, you will be leading people, whether you know it or not. If you want to be a one man show, then that's, that's your choice. But at what, how can you scale something with a one man show and not have other people? And I think sometimes when people have a dream, they're afraid to relinquish control or leadership yeah. or the leadership yeah. development process. Cause maybe they haven't been, they kind of covet the dream, right? So how have you yep. been able to navigate like your passions while still doing what you love to do while leading others and helping them unleash their talents and their treasures and their time yep. through the business you've been able to establish? That's a great question. It's something that's super, super challenging. I My favorite thing in my business is selling. It's the closing phone call. You've delivered the proposals to the client. They've had the opportunity to kind of review them without the intensity of that closing call. And then you get on that call, you have that closing conversation where you're talking about coverages, talking about, you know, and the art of selling, it's a push, pull, finesse, dance sort of thing of knowing when to make the ask, when to do all of that stuff. And I, I love that. I'm good at that. That's my kind of gifting in this business is I'm, I'm very good at that closing conversation. Now, that isn't the best use of my time all of the time. And so relinquishing that and delegating tasks, it is something that in the beginning, it's like pulling teeth because you're like, this is my baby. I, I, um, there's another great book called The E-Myth. It's an old book. Um, but the, the parable in that book is you've got a pie shop. And eventually when you, when you first start the pie shop, you are, baking the pies and cooking the pies and boxing the pies and delivering the pies and cash registering for the people in the store. You're doing everything. And as the pie shop grows, how do you decide when to stop being the cook and when to stop being the teller and when to stop being the delivery person? 
Um, and it's something that is a perpetual evaluation that I look at. Uh, it, it's not a problem to solve, it's a tension to manage. And so it's something that we perpetually are saying, okay, is this a good use of our time? Continuing to evaluate. Um, business is honestly just a great big mirror that you get to stand in front of every day and say, oh, oh, I didn't know that's what that looked like. Um, and it's incredibly revealing. And if you let it, it's incredibly sanctifying. It's a complete, it's an incredibly refining process that will just force you to say, okay, I'm going to give the control over because it doesn't belong to me. Um, another thing that uh, Dave Ramsey talks about um, is the idea of that we are just managers. I say it all the time to my team. I say it to my business partner. I say it when I get the opportunity to share about our business. This business, my name's on the door. It's not my business. It's God's business. And I am but a manager that he has put in place for this season right now. And so when you adopt that kind of mentality, it makes it easier to let it go because it's like, all right, Lord, like this is just the same thing with being generous and giving. It's not my money. It's God's money. I'm just a manager of that, right? And so it's, yeah, when you when you are relinquishing control and dele delegating tasks and giving bits and pieces for people to take on, um, it can be really hard, but it's one of those things that it reaps a deep dividend and benefit. I can't tell you the the like freedom that it feels like to be able to be like, oh, I got a problem in my inbox. Forward. <laughs> Key staff person X, Y, and Z. And it's like, Boom. I don't have a problem anymore. Or like when they come to me and they're like, hey, here's the 42 fires that happened today that you didn't even know existed. And we took care of all of them. Oh, my gosh. Come on now. I mean, that's the stuff that just gets you going. Yes. That means you're leading well and you're equipping the people to right. do their side of work and you're working together. I don't know. It's That's when it gets fun. That's when it gets fun. Like they yeah. can solve the problems when you're not there. It's kind of like your wedding day when you say, you know what? bridesmaids figure it out don't tell me until yeah. don't tell me something yeah. went wrong until i can laugh about it later just take care of it make yep. the decision pretzels or popcorn i don't care just do it <laughs> yeah yep. doesn't matter and I, I look at what you're really describing is the the different skill sets that performing or producing and leading it's two different skill sets so another way to look at it is you could work in the business or in the ministry or you could also yes. take a like a 30,000 foot view and you need to shift into working on the business or on the ministry yeah, yeah. I, I think of just like four steps is like you're often hired at an organization because you're good at playing the guitar or singing or speaking or whatever it is. And, and so it's like mm -hmm. step one or stage one is to do to perform. The next level is to do maybe ministry or leadership or business to the customer and, and add. I think then the, the third stage is like through and moving from a place of two people to through people. And that might be adding or onboarding a team, That's but good. it's multiplying. And I think the stage that people really only dream about and very few people actually reach is the fourth stage is with, and that's, you know, true replication. And that's where having a system, having a, a scalable, whether it's, um, franchise mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but moving to a space where, yeah, you can plug and play, you can add new people on and into the ecosystem, but I mean, Tyler, as we look at this, what would you say some advice for somebody that in the year 2024, maybe it's adding a side hustle to what they're currently doing or taking the leap and starting a company or a corporation or a, a ministry? What would you say mm -hmm. is some of that advice of as you get started, think about this? Mm -hmm. uh, mindset. It's all mindset. The amount of money that you make is bound up in between your ears. It is all the way in which you approach life. And it doesn't even have to be the amount of money that you make, the reach that you are able to have, the um, thing you are able to accomplish with your idea is all, all how you approach life. Our society as a whole um, sets us up to be worker bees. Um, mm -hmm. School from the very 
time we get into the uh, school system to college to uh, it, it all just says, go to work, punch your clock, do what you're told, go home, be quiet, right? And entrepreneurship is about breaking out of that and thinking big and being like, whoa, whoa. It's kind of like, yeah, I don't even have a good example. It's it's just this, the, the biggest thing that you can do is equip yourself with people that are going to encourage you with resources, with um, things to read and learn from on how to think big um, and how to kind of just approach this whole thing. Um, and then the, the last piece is take action, do something, take the first correct step. It's not about knowing the end. It's not about knowing, uh, you know, oh, like what's, what's, what's next year going to be, or what's the year after that, or what's the 10 year vision. It's like, okay, so, you know, you've got an idea in your heart that's brewing, take one step forward. That's it. Uh, God doesn't always illuminate the whole path. Um, but it does say that his word is a light unto our feet and to our path. And that oftentimes just for that next step. And it's like, all right, Lord, I'll walk with you. We'll go together. Uh, and um, all that I can do here is just think big, surround myself with good, godly people that are going to motivate, motivate me and um, take the correct next step. Tyler, it's so good. I, I think that, you know, it's so powerful to get into the thought life of a leader. The leaders who I admire, they have this um, optimism in adversity. And it's it's not that the leader is exempt from challenges or problems or even crisis. It's just yes. the optimism of the faith to see that this is going to work out. We're working hard. We're taking the next step. And I think that um, the piece that you're sharing about like thinking big, getting out of your own head, sometimes our thought life is the greatest inhibitor yeah. to growth. I think of what Craig Rochelle says, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. And yeah. that's, I mean, it's so hard back to your point about emith when you're starting up and you are wearing all the hats and this is your idea, yeah. this is your baby. There's like yeah. an attachment you know, with kids, Absolutely. babies, there, there's this infancy stage of attachment on both parties. Like the parent is attached to the child and the child is attached to the, to the parent. But I think that there's this attachment piece that it's, it's hard to, to like surrender control. Like, ah, oh, yes. I, I know I got to let somebody else do this, but this yes. is my baby and they're going to do it differently. And I think of yes. something else Craig Rochelle says is, if you can find somebody who does it like half as good as you can or 70% as you can, let it go. Oh, let it go. Get rid of it. Do, yeah. do you agree with some of those thoughts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the whole kid thing, like from a parent's perspective, you don't want, I think about it like it's hard sometimes as a parent to be like, oh, I'm going to go check my kid into the nursery for the first time. Or I'm going to send him to daycare for the first time or school for the first time. And like, you don't want to relinquish that control in their life. But then I look at my daughter and the life and the development and the blossoming that happens when she gets around other kids and other people and just the, I mean, it just explodes. Um, and that same principle is true in business or in whatever you're trying to accomplish in your organization. Uh, when you start to delegate out and when you start to relinquish that, it gives you freedom gives you time back gives you energy back to um go reinvest in other areas of your business or to go reinvest in other areas of life other ministry opportunities other adventures whatever you're going to do um it really allows uh for a lot of life to be given and then if you do it well and if you have a platform that's viable for employees you can bless a lot of people along the way and so that act of relinquishing control um, really, really can platform a lot of people and have it grow to be beyond anything that you could have ever thought it would be. No kidding. And talk about, you know, entering a new year or even this year, what's your f mindset or f framework for goal setting, hopes, dreams? How do you approach a new year with like visions, hopes, dreams, strategy? 
And then maybe what are some of the specific goals that you have or would like to share? Yeah, yeah. So goals for um, this upcoming year, as we look at it, it's something that we do with our staff every year. We go through and we've got goal setting exercises that we do. Um, and everybody's had the corporate like kind of performance review stuff where you're like, what went well and what didn't go well? And I, I think all that stuff is just garbage. Like, I don't think it's actually real viable for anybody. But when we look at the business and we look at the long-term goal of what we want to accomplish in the business, we tie and support goal setting on the key staff member level to that larger overarching goal of like, if they're a service person, right? And their job is to pick up the phone and help the client. How does doing that well support that long-term overarching goal? Um, and goal setting is also one of those not a problem to solve, but attention to manage sort of things that it's a, it's a perpetual evaluation. There's a, any business leader that has an organization or wants to have an organization one day needs to read the book traction. Um, it talks about setting a one year, a three year and a 10 year vision, right? And then it reverse engineers it down onto quarterly, monthly, and you can even get granular on weekly and daily activities that support that 10 year vision. Um, and having that framework, we did that two years ago, and it helped us establish our core values as an organization, helped us establish language as an organization to be able to speak to our staff and speak to our clients and have it all tie back up to the overarching, what are we about? You don't have to have an organization to have that happen. You can do that on a personal level of my, my personal 10-year vision. Where do I want to be? What do I want it to look like? What kind of reach do I want to have? What about my family, my relationship, my serving, my giving, my income? And go down the list and start to really ideate and dream crazy dreams. The uh, the saying that the, uh, what is it? It's the days are long, but the years are short. It feels hard in the day to go out there and get your teeth kicked in and struggle with whatever endeavor you have. But then one year, two year, three year, five year, 10 year, boom, done. I've already been married for seven years and I have a six-year-old and four kids and this business now. And it's like, I think back and I'm like, it wasn't that long ago. Um, and so when it comes to goal setting, um, dream radic, like be ridiculous with your dreams. Um, and if you shoot for the moon and only hit the stars, you still hit the stars. Like, yeah. had you been like, ah, like... I just try and get up to the clouds. Well, okay, that's fine. But like, I, I'm all about really radical, really crazy dreaming. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I would say to anybody that's thinking about goal setting in 2024. We had coffee, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. And one of the things that you said to me, like it lit a fire. Um, absolutely. And I want you to do that for the listener. You were talking about batting average go there for mm. a second mm. yes okay so the uh for baseball fans there's um your your batting average i'm not a sports person so if i say any of those wrong please forgive me but your 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 batting average is basically your average out of a thousand hits how many hits are getting on base is that correct yep 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 okay so with that um a 300 hitter so out of every thousand hits 300 are making on base they are a uh, borderline hall of famer they're getting the multi-million dollar you know big old contracts they are the all-star right and your 250 hitter your 250 base hits out of a thousand hits it's not that much worse than a 300 hitter uh but that person's like well you might get uh delisted or uh you know down dumped down to the minors or not get the contract renewed or get dumped by the team or now i'm trading ammo or like it's, you're not doing good if you're a 250 hitter. The difference between a 250 hitter and a 300 hitter is one extra base hit per week, per regular season game. You're striking one more time per week, per regular season game, than your 250 hitter. That's not that much. We break that down for our sales team. And we go, all right, you write one extra family per week and you stretch that over three or five or 10 years and your difference in income or reach is just astronomical. And that same principle is a plot is applicable to everyone. 
everyone everywhere, like it, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're involved in, whether it be for-profit or non-profit or organizational or whatever it is, all you got to do is just get one more. And it's going to put you in a position that you didn't even dream was possible. No kidding. I mean, I took that so practically of like, you know, those high impact mm -hmm. activities. Um, can I, you know, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's an email, maybe it's a one-on-one, -on -one, maybe it's um, a book, a blog, article, a speaking engagement, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you could take it so many different directions, even in what we do. But one extra a week, I was just like, my gosh, I got to go um, do yeah. something. It gets the fire going. You're just like, man, I got to. I got to make it happen. Uh, something that goes so well with that kind of way of thinking is I've heard it said that literally all that you need to do to be successful in whatever you're doing is do what you said you were going to do. For me, if that's like, hey, I'll get you the quote today. That means I get them the quote today, not tomorrow morning, not the next day, not, oh, sorry, something came up. You find a way to make it happen to do what you said you were going to do. If it's show up at the event, show up at the event. If it's, I want to make 10 phone calls to try and raise support. It's, I make 10 phone calls to try and raise support. It's just fulfilling whatever you set out to do. Um, most people crap out and just, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll do it. I'm going to go work out for an hour. I got 30 minutes and like, it's fine. And it's not to say that you can't have grace for yourself and that you always need to be grinding, but it's just this principle, this resolute kind of like, no. If it's to be, it's up to me and mm -hmm. I'm going to make it happen. And I believe people so often will be like, oh, like, I'm just, I'm just trusting in God to make it happen. And I'm like, that's so good. And I'm so glad that you're doing that. But God gave you two legs, a heartbeat and critical thinking skills to go break down the door and make it happen. And can it happen without the Lord's favor or will? No. But does he call us to be people of action and get after it in life? Yes. Yeah. Resoundingly. You know? Love it. Tyler, I love it because so many times I think we have so many individuals that either they're a dreamer or they're a doer. But when you combine mm -hmm. the dreamer and the doer together, you are unstoppable when you have Christ at the center. And I think that's something that the listeners needs to hear today, that God has put breath in your lungs for such a time as this. There's a purpose for your life. Maybe you're yet to discover that, but if you are giving back and you are seeing and leaving people in places better than you found them, let's just start there. Let's just leave people in places better than we found them. And let's see how God just shows up in those miraculous ways. It doesn't mean that we sit in our sit on our hands and do nothing about it. We need to be in the game, have some skin in the game, have that time carved out, have that goal, those goals set and offer. Yes, we do need to offer ourselves grace because we tend to be our worst critic at times or the hardest on ourselves. But the majority of the people listening, I would just encourage you start praying that you are a dreamer, that you have God-sized dreams in your heart, but also that God would give you the wisdom, knowledge, and discernment to start doing that dream. And when you start, this is how I always describe it. You're like in a kayak and one paddle is dreaming, one paddle is doing. If you're only dreaming and saying, I wish I could, I wish I would, blah, blah, blah. You're spinning in circles. That yep. kayak is not doing what it's intended to do. You as the person in that kayak operating are not living the fullness of God. If you're only doing and life is a rat race and there's no dreaming and there's no satisfaction and you hate the day to day, whew, you're spinning in the other direction. But when you get in that boat and you get in cadence with God and you get on those whitewater rapids and you say, yes, God, I'm all in for this adventure of fill in the blank. When you're dreaming, and doing, you start propelling yourself forward. And that person that started way back upstream is not going to be the same person that gets to the end. So even just looking back, like there may be those, those are the rapids that are fives and you are, you're trying to come up for air and it's getting messy, but you know what? That is when I have found the most fun in life when we have to rely on God the most. Like truly, yeah. I look back and I'm like, wow, that was a hard season. It felt crappy in the moment, but I'm like, I'm so grateful for it. Like, I am so grateful for X, Y, and Z. And let's just be people that are dreamers and doers, because if we are wanting success and we're wanting freedom and we're wanting fun in life, then we need to ask God into the center of that. And Tyler, I think that you and your family and your team demonstrate that so well, um, just as an outsider looking in to see young people doing it and doing it well. And I don't know, it's just encouraging. And hopefully it sparks some passion and fire and some flame into somebody's dream as they're listening. So 
I just want to encourage the listener with that today. Start dreaming and doing not, not one, but both and see where the water takes you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Tyler, if um, two thoughts, if somebody uh, needs insurance, how can they find you? Just search uh, Tyler Flamo on Google and we'll pop up on Google. We got a big, uh, we got like a bajillion Google reviews. And so you'll see us there right away. Uh, and yeah, there's a, you can either give the agency a call or there's a click to get a quote button. Um, that's the best way to reach out to us. And um, we will link that in the show notes here on the FYI podcast as well. I had this thought and I didn't run it past you, but somebody might be looking for a job. Are you hiring? Are you looking to grow your team at all? Yeah. So if you are someone that is, thinks that you are good at talking to people, I'm always interested to talk to um, people that think they might be a good fit in uh, sales. People think about sales in a pretty specific way. And we think about sales in a pretty countercultural way to how society thinks about it. Um, and so we are not actively hiring on our service team right now. We're uh, we have just completed a hire this past uh, couple months and are good on that front. And on the sales side of things, I wouldn't say that we're actively hiring, but I'm always open and eager to talk. We we weren't actively hiring and then we just hired somebody else uh, a couple weeks back. And so it tends to lend its hand to uh, if you find good people, get the good people. Um, and so that's what I'd say about that. It's so good. Well, man, I love the conversation. And we'll keep it going throughout the startup series. But man, uh, great thoughts. Thanks for all that you do and for this conversation today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me here. It's been an honor to chat. And if you want more information about Tyler Flatmo or the insurance company, just if you're looking for any form of insurance, check out the show notes. And hopefully you have an amazing Friday. This is the FYI Podcast. <laughs>